This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast, maybe a little bit shorter than usual, but we'll try to make it better than normal. How's that for a deal? We'll try to be less mediocre. I think that's a good goal to have in life. It's always aspire to be somewhere above mediocre. Tim Fitzgerald and Zach Carlson here in the WTC Gig Pirate Studios and Mr. Riley Gates on the horn with us from the giant metropolis known as Beloit, as he has already set off for his holidays with the family. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. This is going to be so uh, fast because there weren't a ton of questions. We didn't give you enough time. And, and you know what? I don't blame you folks. you got better things to do than talk to us. It's the holidays. It's about family. It's about tying the dog to the bumper and forgetting when you drive off. It's about all of those things that you do at the holidays. Don't do yeah, that. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I just, I kind of sit around. It feels like I'm, it, honestly, it feels like I'm in like, not high school again, but it kind of feels like I'm in college and I kind of came home for Christmas break and I'm still kind of doing stuff and I'm still kind of showing up around. Um, yeah. it, it does not help that when I come home, I don't have a bed, man. I don't have a bedroom. What did your parents do? Parker and Tyson shared a bedroom for so many years and I had the basement one. So when I moved to college, man, I had to get up and go. Like I took everything with me and Parker took my bedroom. So now Tyson's got his own bedroom cause he's big. Parker owns the downstairs bedroom and I just crashed on the couch. The, man, they outed you. They just kicked you out of the family. That's not fair, man. It's Your sister went off to college and she kept her room. I know. And then they yell at me. They're like, you need to find a better place to put your clothes when you come home. And I'm like, where the hell am I going to put them? Like, <laughs> there's nowhere. I got nothing. It's ridiculous. Man. Ridiculous. Couldn't couldn't you get your parents just to put you up in the Beloit Marriott for the weekend? You mean the the uh, Super Eight? Oh, well, the same thing. Basically, eh, the same thing. I think I'd rather sleep on the couch. Okay. We are sponsored <laughs> by the fridge. They are like your bedroom if there's a bunch of alcohol in it. So make yourself at home. Stop into the fridge. You need to load up for the holidays. I know you do. The in-laws are coming. Get everything you need to survive the holidays right there at the fridge at the corner of this and that in this town. Well, the segment sponsored by Tanner's. Nothing makes me feel like it's the holidays more than Tanner's. I don't know why. More, more I, than Tanner's? Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. 
All right. I figured, yeah. Maybe. Do they still have the upside okay. down Christmas tree or the sideways Christmas tree that they had for a long time above the office? I don't even know. But Tanner's is your place to gather when you come home and you want to get out of the house, but you're in Manhattan and you need to get away from the parents because you are uh, a 25-year-old man who doesn't want to be sleeping on the couch. Go to Tanner's. <laughs> Noted. Noted. Uh, guys, I'm fired up. We got, I mean, this is going to be a chain of events. Go to Wichita, do the family Christmas, come back and do the Robbins road trip to the Liberty Bowl sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. It's going to be exciting. We got our own Durango to take to Memphis. Not the company Durango, the Robbins Motor Company Durango that they are loaning us for the game. That's dope. It is. Uh, speaking I wonder of that, if it'll feel different on the inside. Ah, uh, well, I mean, the fact that uh, we'll be smoking and drinking and eating nachos and stuff all the way. Okay, <laughs> and so I have this idea that we're going to record a podcast on the road. We're going to actually do from the road. Now, I shared this with you, Riley, and I want to get Zach's thoughts on this. That means during a short period of time, uh, D. Scott's going to have to drive. Oh, I was I mean, not picturing somebody holding a mic for you or me. Well, I mean, I could drive and hold a mic, but guys, I have problems talking as is. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, or, and I'm just saying, like, I'm just spitballing here. I, like, I could always just be the MC as well if you need Zach to drive. No, we'll, we'll have Fritz drive some. Okay, yeah, there's a stretch... Okay. When you get into Arkansas, when you feel like you're going to die, because it's like you keep driving and you swear to God that stuff along the side of the road is just repeating. Like you're just on a giant loop because nothing changes in this stretch. That's when we'll have Fritz drive because it's straight. And then we can we can do a podcast. Sounds like a good plan. We'll do a podcast. Well, uh, hopefully the Durango we're getting has the AC outlet for the. Yeah, hopefully the board. It has power. Yeah, that's that's the key here. We're going to need power. It's going to be a little confusing with all those wires and stuff in the car, but you know, hey, we'll make it work because we're champions of the podcast room. <laughs> Maybe I'll write a superhero movie, and it'll, it'll be us champions of the podcast world, and we'll solve podcast all the world's man. problems with the podcast. Podcast man. Let's get going. Here's your questions from Allbass Station. Not a ton of questions. You'll get answers to them, though. That's what we're here for. From KNED, is the basketball team truly awful or actually average with awful results due to a couple of disjointed slash disgruntled pieces? Awful is such a harsh word, right? Yeah, um, I've said it to me it, all the time. Well, they're awful, but they don't. I don't think that they're an awful team overall on the pieces that they have. I think they're just playing horribly right now. Um, and I don't think they know what they are. I don't know what this team is. Do you? No. No, it's a mess. I mean, I can't point to them and go like, oh, they're a good defensive team. Or, oh, they shoot the ball from three really well. Or, well, you know, they make clutch plays down the stretch. They don't have an it to them. They don't have that identity. Um, so I, I struggle to say that they're awful. But it's not like, you know, we talk at length about Cartier Jada's, uh, you know, being disgruntled, and, and we'll get into that here in a minute, um, so not to go too deep into it. But 
we, we can talk about that, but it's not as if Cartier Jada flips the switch around. Suddenly I think this team's going to go, Oh, there we go. That's all we needed to have figure out. You know, th- there's a lot of, of problems to it. So I think it's a little bit of both. I don't, I don't think that they're really getting help by having those disgruntled players, but I don't think that's the main cause of it. Yeah. The results aren't good. They're just missing little things. Well, they're missing some big things. They can't score very easily. It's not easy to win when you can't outscore your opponent. And that's really what it comes down to. I'm going to disagree with you in a little bit. I think they play pretty good defense. I think that's the only reason they aren't awful is their defense. I mean, they held St. Louis to 66 points. It should be enough to win, and it wasn't because the offense is so bad. And they've just got a couple parts that they expected to be fully functioning, not functioning at all in Cartier Jada and Macal Moeen. Those two veteran players they need to lean on aren't delivering. They're not functioning. They make them look awful because they half-ass it too much in games. Bad body language, bad effort. It's just it's a mess. We talked about it quite a bit on the Wildcat, on the Powercat Insiders, and it just uh, it's really, really frustrating to watch what you thought was known about this team become unknown. You thought Cartier was going to be a good player. You thought Mack might step up his game. He wouldn't be a star, but he would kind of fill the breach a little bit in scoring. And he's so regressed. It's painful to watch. He's regressed so far. Saturday night convinced me he's got to stop starting and put Levi Stockard in the starting lineup. That's how far he's regressed. That's sad, man. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank goodness that. Levi stepped up on Saturday, played his best game of his career, most inspired game. He got after it with 17 points, and God, they needed him. Well, right, and and not to take anything away from from what Levi has done, but like that's what we needed we needed to see out of him this year. While Mac was also continuing to play well, right? You know, if, if you'd have done that, and Mac continued to play at a high level, then they would almost be unstoppable down low. I mean, they'd be so good if you could get a consistent, uh, strong effort from from Levi like that with McCall doing what seniors do. But, but that regression is just unacceptable. Um, and yeah, no, I, they, they're just they they just don't have an identity. And it's games like that St. Louis one where I entered the game thinking, oh yeah, they'll win the game probably and and then throughout the game i was like i mean they'll find a way to to make a play down the stretch and then with the way the game ended i was like "Mm, not really shocked with how that unfolded from kned is cartier jada just a total head case who doesn't care or is he trying too hard to be barry brown and fill roles he he just can't and is frustrated boy riley that's a tough one (sighs) i i think one led to the other i think he thought he was going to step up and be the star and the fact that he was getting so much attention from the defense um, kind of shocked him how much tougher it was without those guys. And now he's in full-fledged headcase mode. I, I'm i just guessing here. I suspect when Bruce Weber came out and kind of made fun of him for noting that everyone's defending him harder, I don't think Cardi appreciated that. And it's kind of – you've seen his body language deteriorate. He doesn't want to be out there. He, you know, as Matt Walters keeps saying on the Insiders podcast, you got to have your point guard and your head coach on the same page. The point guard is an extension of the head coach, and he is not on the Bruce Weber page. Whatever page that is, he doesn't want to be on it right now. 
And that's why we come back to David Sloan needs to be the point guard, move Cardi after the ball, get some of this responsibility off of him. Let him loosen up and go play, and maybe he'll get his head in the game, but it's it's a mess, isn't it, Riley? Well, and it it doesn't make any sense because you can expect to see kids kind of become a head case, maybe lose that team continuity type thing. If they're, I don't want to say bad kid, but if they're kind of, you know, hard-headed and they think a lot about themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And Cartier is not that at all. Like, he's not that person. He's a good kid overall. He's he's really fun to talk to. He, he has an interesting way of looking at a lot of things. Um, you know, I can say a lot about him. Him tuning out – if you gave me a list, you know, hey, make a list of the guys on the team that might tune Bruce over out the first – he would be at the bottom of that list. I agree. And that's what the the weird thing is when you look at him roll his eyes on the sideline or you look at him just kind of have horrible attitude when he goes to the bench. It's just like that's not Cardi. And um, I don't know if it's if it's Bruce. I don't know if it's the fact that he doesn't want to see David Sloan out there taking over the point. I don't know if it's a combination of both. Something's up with him right now because this is not just a slump. This is not just – I had a few rough games where I missed some shots. This is a a deeper problem than his performance on the floor. And they got to figure something out. Otherwise, it's going to get to a point where you have people campaigning to bench Cartier Jada, um, and he's one of the better players on this team. Yeah, it's it's a mess, and um, we'll see if Bruce can unwind whatever's going on in Cartier's head because he's a better player than this. He's a better kid than this, and hopefully they get him back on track. From DM60, is there any reason to consider Mayween at the four position? He might be more valuable to this team in a different role. No. I don't – he doesn't fit the four. Not at all. Look, he's actually got a nice outside shot, squared up, shoulders turned. He actually does a good job. Maybe the point he's making here with this question is he stinks right now in the low post. He can't score. He turns it over. Um, you know, I made fun of him on the podcast earlier this week. He shot an eight-foot fadeaway that I don't think went six feet. And it was, just, it, was hor- it was one of the worst shots I've ever seen from a major college basketball player. Um, he's, he can't – he's just really struggling in the post. They're able to collapse down on him because there's not enough guys on the outside to keep you honest. Maybe. I don't know, but I don't know who. I mean, if you put Stockard then at at the five or what, but uh, I just think uh, I'm tending to put him on the bench, to be real blunt, and use the two freshman bigs with Levi Stockard as your main three rotation and then bring him in when you absolutely need him. That's where I'm at with Macau. He doesn't want to be out there. He looks like he just doesn't care. And that's the thing is I don't – I'm not looking at McCall when he – like when McCall does well, if he's having a good game, I don't look at it and say like, oh, could he do this at the four? I'm like, I need him at the five. And McCall's best when he's playing well, I need him at the five. And I don't think a simple switch to the four would do any good. Um, you know, I think you're going to have a really good setup here. Uh, and, and, and if you slide Levi Stocker to the five, I just I, th- I don't think Levi's tough enough to play the five. I think he can play well. I um, mean, he certainly did play well, obviously, in the St. Louis game. I think he is best suited at the four. I think Montavious Murphy is best suited at the four. Um, you know, Antonio can maybe can maybe jump into the five spot, but he's kind of weak. The th- that's the thing is I don't have an answer for it. No, I, I can't I can't look at it and say, 
well, take Mac out of the five and put this guy in at the five, because I can think of a reason for every player in the team, why they shouldn't be the five, but that shouldn't be the reason that McCall continues to get playing time, stay on the floor, you know, just because you are the, the best of a bad situation does not mean that nothing needs to change at this point. This, the problems with this basketball team are twofold. One is veteran players aren't delivering like you need them to. They're not even playing at the levels they did last year, let alone stepping up their game. Xavier Sneed's trying. I think X is doing whatever he can do to make this work, even though he struggles at times. And the other problem is a complete failure on the recruiting trail between the uh, Dean Wade, Barry Brown, Kamau Stokes class, and this freshman class on the team right now. There's not enough sophomores, juniors, and seniors on this roster that are capable Big 12 players. There's only one place to blame that, and that's on the coaches. And I don't. we were all hoping that they would step up and be better players, and maybe this is what they are. I don't know. They just don't have enough dudes on this team that can play basketball at this level, period. And when some of those dudes aren't playing well enough, it gets even worse. K-State plays its final game of 2019 against Tulsa on Sunday night. Can they get a win against a team that has beaten them two years in a row by playing a zone that K-State can't figure out? I would guess the answer is no, but we'll see. Maybe they can get a win and get a little piece, little shred of momentum going into Big 12 play. From KSU Cat 80, slide Cardi to the two position and have him battle McGurl for the starting role. Have Mac battle Antonio and Murphy for one of the two four spots. Keep X at the three for now. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I don't Look, know about yeah, that the four. Has to be it. I don't know about the four, but I, I, the freshmen aren't ready to play, you know, have bigger roles, but you're going to have to do it. Just invest in the future. But I think you don't take Cardi out of the starting lineup. You just move him over to the two where he's more comfortable. And then you've got McGurl to come in at either spot. That's, that's my solution there. And then I'd probably stick Levi Stockard into the starting role or, or go with the freshman. I don't know, but this, if they have earned it in the past, so be it. But you can't let them play at this level and stay in the starting roles that they're in. I mean, yeah, I'm still in the I'm still in the camp that we've been on for a while, Fitz, where where I say, you know, hey, Mike McGurl's a great player. He can do good things on the floor. But if he's in the starting lineup, that's an issue because he's not necessarily a starting player. I'm I'm still of that belief. But it's getting to a point where Mike McGurl is almost one of the five most deserving players to start. I mean, he's the only guy that continues to bring the energy, bring the production, things like that. So I would put David in at the point and I would slide Cardi to the two. I wouldn't make it a competition, at least for now, um, unless big 12 play starts off and Cardi continues to just play horrible. And Mike continues to bring the energy and the effort. Then, yeah, I'm going to go with Mike because you know what? You can only get by for so long before something needs to light a fire under your ass. So I go with that. Obviously, keep X at the three. In a perfect world, I'd like to find a way to move him to the four, but I know he's not comfortable at the four, um, and I know he's not better at the four, so it's it's the smart thing to keep him at the three. And, you know, you got obviously play Antonio. He's he's a healthy one. Um, yeah, I just like – I, like I said the previous question, I don't have the answer um, – if you want to move Mac out of the five and that's, that's the dilemma we're in. Uh, we've, we've got a few big guys here that we're looking at where we can say, 
oh, he could maybe start. He might need to go to the bench. I don't have a I don't have a big man on this team that I look at and I'm like absolute 100% starter over the rest of them, but I know I need to start two of them at some point. <laughs> From I like pickle scat. Do you think that the coaches are sending spending a disproportionate amount of time developing the young guys and then playing guys who haven't learned to gel as a group yet? No, I, I think they spend a lot of time working on defense. I think that's what they've done traditionally. You've seen them lose games early in the year because they don't score enough. They focus so much on defense. They bring the offense along a little bit later. And I, I think this team hasn't responded to it. I think the lack of a natural ability to score points. They don't have guys that can just go out and get you buckets outside of the realm of an offense, the confines of an offense. They just don't have that. And they have in the past. Barry could get you points. Dean could get you points. You know, Xavier can at times, but typically he has to be set up for those points. And then you're back to your point guard problems. I, I don't think they're spending in too much time on the freshman at this point I, I think there's no way to do that I think you just if it's going to be bad just invest in the freshman just invest your time and if you're going to have mistakes Cardi's got to had six turnovers six turnovers against St. Louis and David Sloan had eight assists just why is this obvious to everyone but the coaches loyalty is wonderful but man, if the sink ship if the ship is sinking, there we go. If the ship is sinking, don't be loyal to it and stay on board. I mean, you got to get off and try something else. And I'm I'm just exceedingly frustrated right now. Maybe I'm. Am I? Correct me if I'm misunderstanding the way the question is worded here, where it says playing guys who haven't learned to gel as a group yet. Is he is he referring to? The guys that start, guys like Mike and Cardi and uh, Mac, Xavier, playing as a group? Because I guess I get it to an extent. Yes, they've all never started or been such major roles before, but they know each other. Like, they're very familiar with each other, so I don't think that's an issue at all. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. From Itam BB, does Bruce being the U19 coach this summer have anything to do with our current unimpressive basketball season of below mediocrity? Um, no, I don't. I don't think you can blame it. And I know what he's. Uh, let, let me pull up his his question here that I didn't um, include on the uh, the full list because he says there were some some different hypotheses here. He says Bruce did not have the full time and attention to the team, and he lost the grip of some of them. Um, he had he had all the mighty and superior talent at his disposal, but now he is lost with the talent he has now. Um, Bruce loves traveling so much more than playing the actual game of basketball. Yes, he's active in recruiting, but not so much in the game time adjustment and player substitution. I don't think there was any negative impact from coaching Team USA. Um, I don't. I don't think this team would be significantly further along had Bruce Weber been a Manhattan for the entire summer. Like I, I just. Well, I, I don't say think that's the problem. On the outside looking in, I agree with you. Unless there's something going on in that locker room that we don't know about, there's some friction. Uh, there's some distractions. There's something that has gone south. Then maybe I'd buy into that, that not having your coach around for a chunk of the summer might have fed into that where it didn't get corrected. 
but uh, other than that, no, I don't, I don't think development or anything like that. I think this is on the players. I think this is on the players not handling what they're supposed to be handling. Um, you're a grown man, you know, if you got to take care of your business. Now, not having enough talent on the team, not having enough guys that can go get points, that's on the coaches. But uh, I think the players are, have to be accountable for what they're doing too. Bruce Weber's coached with bad talent before, and it's not like one month of coaching the best of the best suddenly like erased all the all the history he has with that. I mean, it, yeah. yes, it was nice to have a bunch of five stars, but that didn't change him as a coach. Last question of the first half from D Bremer seventy three. Will we ever get motivated to win again win a game against Tulsa? The last two <laughs> years were painful to watch. Horrible. Dude, oh. if they don't get this, man. Number one, talk about an awful blow up in your face. Oh, for three against an inferior opponent. But this is probably the worst Tulsa team of the three. They're eight and four. They've lost three of their last four. Colorado State, Arkansas, Arkansas State, and they beat Boise State. And this one's in Manhattan. <laughs> like, you can't lose this game. You absolutely cannot afford to lose this game. And this is the type of scheduling I want them to do. I want them to find a team like Tulsa, play them in Manhattan, play them in Tulsa, and play them in Kansas City. This is what I want, or Wichita, wherever they played them. This is exactly the formula I'd like to see them schedule with, and now they're getting... You know, it, they're getting deterred from doing this because they're having so much problems with Tulsa. Tulsa will play his own. K-State will struggle to score against the zone. But let's be honest, this team struggles to score against air. I mean, they just can't score. That's It's going to be an ongoing problem. And until they learn to be better at putting basket in the round rim thing, they will not be a very good basketball team and add in poor attitude, poor effort, and anything else going on, and you're looking at a miserable, dreadful season. But hopefully there's a foundation being laid for something different in the future with these freshmen. And David Sloan, who's going to give them two good years, I think. I'll say this right now. If they aren't motivated to come out and beat this team after what happened the last two years, now look, I know it didn't affect last year's team. It, it wasn't a Big 12 game. It you know, it might have cost them a, a three seed at best, but you know, it wasn't a major loss at the end of the day. I get it. But after losing to them the last two years when you absolutely should have beaten them the last two years, if you can't find the motivation for this one, I think you're in for a long stretch of Big Twelve play in the next eighteen games. Have some pride. Have some pride in in how you're playing. And uh until they show that, you're right, it's gonna be big trouble. Well, that's it for the first half of this Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. That segment was sponsored by our good friends at Tanner's. Get into The Fridge, get into Tanner's, and get into the second half of this podcast, which awaits right after this. Stay locked in. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the Powercat Questions podcast. You might have noticed that it showed up on Tuesday. Usually it's the Wednesday podcast, but Wednesday is what? It's Christmas. And you're getting enough gifts on Christmas and socks. Socks are nice, though. You're old when you appreciate the socks. And we didn't want to give you a podcast and have you fail to notice that, hey, there's a podcast here wrapped in a pretty little red bow or purple bow in this case. We wanted to give it to you on the 24th in case you've got to drive somewhere. You can put this podcast in and your wife can say, what the hell are you listening to? These guys are idiots. We understand. We are the idiots. We get it. (laughs) But we wanted you to have the option to listen to this while you're doing your holiday driving. And we hope that works out well for you. It's supposed to be beautiful weather. It's supposed to be like 60 on Christmas. I think I might take a thong and just go lay out at the hotel. Mm. Like on... like, uh, I can't think what street or Broadway. I can't think what hotel in Wichita I'm on. I'm, I think I'll take a chair and a thong and just lay on the sidewalk downtown Wichita. Look, 60 is fine and it's warm, but you're not going to get it. You get like a nice it's color on your skin warm. in 60. Like, Ooh. it's still going to be miserably cold what? if you're out there in a thong. I'm just telling you. Huh? You need some more coverage. At 60 degrees. I don't... Let's be honest, guys. Is it really about the temperature here? It is. Is it? Is that really what you're telling me? Or do I just need more coverage, period? Both. Nobody wants to see you. Now that you have that visual in your head, you probably need to go to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, our sponsor. Get that visual out of your head. Stop into the fridge whenever you're in Manhattan. If you don't, Santa will know. The segment sponsored by Santa's Little Workshop here in Manhattan called The Miracle on Morrow. It's also known as the High-Low. Zach and I were in there last week. I'm telling you. Wait, what? Yeah, we we went out and drank without you. Oh, you were drinking. Okay. Uh, if, if this was a lunch thing, I was going to be mad. Whoa, hold on. You you were more invested in eating lunch with us than going out and have some brotherhood, some fraternity, and, and some beers? Is that what you're telling us? I need some mac and cheese pizza in my life, man. Well, that's a good point. That sounds pretty good, Zach. Yeah, I've no comment. Anyhow, the you high did low. You that to yourself, Zach. <laughs> the high low. If if you're coming to town for the holidays, if you're going to be in Manhattan here, you got to go to the high low. When I said they decorated for Christmas, when I say that, you think, oh, they have a little tree up. They have some lights on the bar. No. It's like the Christmas fairy came in and waved her wand, and everything turned to Christmas. It's like Santa Claus took a crap inside. Everywhere. <laughs> there's lights. There's music. It's It assaults your senses with holiday cheer. There's a drink menu that's incredible. It is the miracle on morrow, and this is the greatest read I've ever given anyone. Get in. Have fun. 
It's crowded. You might have to wait on a table because people love their miracle. And I don't think they should stop at the end of Christmas. I think they should just be the Christmas bar year-round. That would be so cool. I'm not going to lie. That would be so cool. Zach disagrees. It's fun for now. Well, I think you do it until it's not cool anymore, and then you change. What about if they became the bar that just, like, ran with the holiday season? I would love that. That'd be cool. Halloween, Fourth of July, Valentine's Day. MLK Day. I don't know how you decorate for that. Uh, Do you decorate for Thanksgiving? I don't know. Absolutely. You don't even start decorating for Christmas until after Thanksgiving. There you go. We're figuring out the business for Adam and Jess. Get into the high-low. Get yourself some wonderful, incredible, amazing pizza. And, oh, yeah, their burgers are good, too. Here are your questions from Wabash Station as we sneak in this questions podcast to fill you with holiday cheer. From Darren Sproul's Superfan. How does one go about apologizing to Coach Kleiman about being upset about his hire? I was a fan and thought Mean Gene hired a drinking buddy. I now realize my error in thought. Let me let me just step in here and say that uh, I wrote a column calling for Bruce Weber's firing, and I have to face the guy on a regular basis. And finally, I apologized, and now his team stinks. I don't know. Maybe it's all me. Maybe I'm the problem here. Look, don't write anything about football, then. I won't. I. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fine, super fan. It's going to be fine. A lot of people felt that way. Chris Kleiman knew there was doubters out there. Now, there were some people that went a little bit too far and wanted to take action to get him fired before he even coached. But, you know, that's that's just in their nature. Then they'll claim they were always a fan. Just Hop on board. Enjoy the ride. I think it's going to be a fun and long one. I don't think he's going anywhere. And and even if even if this bowl game goes poorly, like there's a I mean there's a good chance they could lose. Uh, Navy's a good team, but even if the bowl game goes poorly and they lose, that doesn't mean that like ah oh, you know can't win on the big stage. You can't win the win an important game. Like no, it's it's good. And I think if you just just ride it out, you know we're all we're all in the. Everybody seems to be on the same page now. What were the two most important – well, two of the most important games of the season. I think KU is always important even if they suck. Mississippi State and Oklahoma. For where they were in the seasons, those were the most important games, and they won both of those. Um, I think they're going to be well-prepared and ready to go. I say Cats by uh, 87 points. That's not right. Not, no, they're not good enough to win the 90. Fine, lock that in. Lock that in at 87. 87. And the final score will be 88 to 1. No, that's definitely not right. 88 to 1 is going to be the final score. <laughs> Write it down. Maybe you right. like pencil. You can apologize. Back to the question. You apologize by going to the bowl game in Memphis. Two, buying season tickets. Three, buying a lot of Nike merch. Yeah, cat's gear. Spend your money on K State. Uh, and by the way, we're still working on a bar. We've got one bar is going to be the Manhattan Broadcasting Bar, and you know that's that's fun. And the second bar we referred to is the Navy Bar, which I kind of want to go to, just kind of hang out with the, the officers and gentlemen. It's like a Richard Gear will be there. I don't know. Um, so we're still talking. We're trying to get a hold of bars, but it's the holidays for them, and they're not responding. 
We well, might literally be calling bars on the way down to Memphis saying, hey, we want to have an event on the 30th. Can we can we show up to your bar? Or we won't even ask and we'll just show up. Maybe that's what we'll do. So, just overrun a bar. You wouldn't respond to me, so I'm just going to give you a bunch of money with business. We'll have something. Yeah, we will. I'm just, I got a lot of things on my plate. I got, let's, I'm... I'm checking my list and writing it twice. What is it? Making a list, man, checking it twice. You were supposed to just you just ride with the joke, man. You're checking your list twice. I'm doing something. Well, I'm not even sure I did it once. I don't know. I'm so confused. Let's go. From KNED, I'm already on hot take record saying K-State has more passing yards than Navy has rushing. I think the K-State ground game sets the tone, but the passing game opens up the two-score two lead that Navy can't come back from. What are your thoughts? i got to be honest with you. We keep sitting here and we're like, oh, man, this bowl game is going to be over in an hour and a half. Like, you know, making jokes about that, things like that. I could also see us end up taking normal game time because K-State looks at it and goes like, oh, we found a weakness in their passing game, and they absolutely can't stop this. And then, you know, they just kind of keep piling it on. I could see that happening. Could you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want I a mean, quick that, game, though. I want a what? victory and a quick game. I want it all. I want to be in and out and have a nice game to write about, have nine-win season. Woo, nine-win season for the Cats. I want to have all that and in, in a two-hour package. That's fair. I think it's fair to, but to I that. agree with his take that K State could throw for a lot of yardage. I think they'll come out and try to run the ball. I think they know that they can win the point of attack. I mean, it's just a reality of what you have as a service academy. I'll see how K State attacks it. I'm more worried about slowing down that triple option. And if you get that maintained, uh, I think K State will just outscore them no matter what. I mean, you look at you look at like the Notre Dame game, for example, that Navy played. They place it, face a good quarterback. Notre Dame scores 52. I, I, I think that if Skylar Thompson, if there's a weakness in the, in the defense, Skylar Thompson brings his a game. Um, I, I certainly think that it could easily be a, a really dominant game in the air for K state from Powercat Ryan. Who are your projected bowl game, offensive and defensive MVPs? Wow. I didn't expect to have to make this prediction. This is such a cop-out answer, and I always hate picking the quarterback, but I see Skylar Thompson being the offensive MVP because either he's going to throw it a lot, like we just said, or he's going to get in the end zone. You know, they're going to get close, quarterback sneak or an option, you know, but maybe they'll run the option, something like that. You know, I, I think Skylar might end the game with three or four touchdowns. He'll be the offensive MVP. Defensive, um, it's going to be somebody on the defensive line. Um, and I, I want to say that one of the DNs, since the option goes to them, but I feel like it could be a defensive tackle if they get in there and blow it up because the defensive end is probably going to get washed in some blocks and things like that at times. I'm going to go with exactly that. I'm going to say Trey Deshaun in his final game as a Wildcat because the best way to mess up a triple option is get penetration right up the middle and you know get into the middle of what they're attempting to do with all the ball fakes. You, know, that's, you just destroy the play at that point. I feel like Trey's going to have a big game. Offensively, I'm going to go with someone maybe a little bit forgotten as the season's progressed because Malik Knowles has not been playing healthy for a very long time, and I expect him to be healthy for this game. And 
I think he's going to be an athletic mismatch for this Navy defense. I think Malik has a big game and is the offensive MVP. From Itain Bibi, please discuss about two recent transfer portal, portal players. Uh, didn't climb and recruit Wilson. Yeah, I mean. That question didn't make sense. Look, they Chris Heron absolutely 110% makes sense. He came into this into this system as a quarterback, playing for an old staff, and he fit in the old staff's quarterback the way that they wanted to run. He got the opportunity to be quarterback here. It was clear he wasn't going to fit as a quarterback under Chris Kleiman, so he looked to make a position switch. And at the end of the day, he wants to be a quarterback. That's what it is, and that's why I don't blame him for wanting to leave. That's why I don't freak out about K State losing him. Is because. You can't if a kid just wants to play quarterback or the position that he was recruited to play initially, he's going to find a way to do it. I'm not freaking out about about Chris Heron. I wish he'd stayed, but I understand why he's going to go. I just hope he doesn't get wooed by another power five that's going to convince him he can be a quarterback for them. And then they switch him to receiver because we've seen that happen in the past. They'll just tell him whatever he wants to hear. And then, oh, by the way, you're going to play receiver for us now that you're in school. If he's going to play quarterback, I hope he transfers down. I hope he finds the right fit for himself. I don't know what that school is. But, you know, go play at a place. If you really want to play quarterback, find a place that wants you at quarterback because your skills fit what they do. Look for that. You know, just in terms of the uh, of the Logan Wilson decommit, I mean, I guess we probably should have seen it. <laughs> should have seen the writing on the wall with that one, to be honest with you. Um just because of how many, how hard they attacked defensive backs in this class, you know, yeah. um, and they they did add some cornerbacks, but uh, yeah, I mean it it is a little bit puzzling or maybe a little bit upsetting to to see him lose one of his recruits so early without even getting on the field. But I mean, it's not a big like it's it's a big loss. He has talent. Don't get me wrong, but I don't look at it and be like, "Oh no, what are they going to do at cornerback?" Like they got plenty of options. I'm beginning to get the sense that I don't think we're seeing more transfers than we have in the past. I don't think so. It's just the transfer portal sounds cool. You're not transferring. You're in the portal. I think some of these kids are like, "Okay, I'm going to just start over and and here we go." So I don't know. From Darren Sproul's Superfan, can you please explain the transfer portal? Kids can enter, then decide if they want to stay or leave. When kids enter, do they portal? Do schools reach out to the kids? Yeah, they become recruitable at that point. That's why they're in the portal. That's what the portal is about. It's a clear definition that you can now be recruited. But they can't come back. They can end up staying at their school. So it's just kind of a transition, formal transition process. Look, I'm a, I, I'm a believer, Riley, that if you want to transfer, you should be able to transfer. I hated when Bill Snyder would hold people hostage. I just I thought it was unseemly. I think, you know, if a kid comes in, particularly if they're a senior transfer, that they should be able to transfer. It's their career, their life. They, you know, if they don't feel like it's working out for them here, then they should be able to go. I understand you want to convince them otherwise. I understand you want to re-recruit them and get them to stay, but forcing them to stay isn't the answer. I'm a fan of the portal for that reason. Yeah, and can I just, a small rant, you kind of touched on it here for a second. 
The transfer portal has not increased the numbers of transfers or made it easier to transfer for a kid. There were plenty of transfers before. They weren't publicized as much. Um, and maybe that a little bit of it, I think, has to do with, you know, us, uh, Kansas City Star, uh, Manhattan Mercury. I, I've noticed that we are all starting to write about transfers a whole lot more rather than just, yeah. you know, tweet about it or whatever. But uh, it's not as if they added the transfer portal and suddenly kids are like, oh, oh, I can go to another school now. No, if they wanted to transfer, they were going to transfer. So I understand the – I understand being frustrated about kids wanting to leave – about kids transferring because it got hard. Like, yeah, you're, you have every right to be a little bit uh, upset about the fact that kids sometimes don't face the competition and they just transfer and make it easier on themselves, but don't blame the portal. It, the portal doesn't have anything to do with the fact that a kid wants to leave. It's just a fancy way of saying they're leaving and going to a new school. Yeah. That's what I think I just, too. I just get so annoyed. I see the comments of, Oh, you know, I hate this new transfer portal stuff. It's made it, so much easier for kids to transfer. It's not. You just know about oh. it, and that's what the change is. You know more than you used to. If anything, it's really cool, in my opinion. I mean, hell, K-State benefited from it. Yeah, I <laughs> I, they might not have found out about James Gilbert and Jordan Brown had the transfer portal not started to get their name out there. I agree. Last question of the podcast from Powercat Ryan. How do you explain to your friends and family that this recruiting class is the best one in the last decade when they all want to look at its when they all they want to look at is ratings and stars. Well, if you're looking at the Big 12, it maybe it is the ninth. You know what I've always warned people is, uh, like Baylor was tenth, but I don't cover Baylor recruiting, and you know maybe they didn't have very many openings because they've done a good job the last three years filling scholarships and stocking up the program. Maybe they went out and got three guys that are going to make them a better football team next year and contribute to another big season. Yeah. It's about what you got and what you needed. And if you filled your needs, which I think K-State did for the most part, then it's a good recruiting class. This is a really solid foundation recruiting class. It's the first time they've been in the top 50 in a good five, six years. So um, I think the whole Big 12 did a good job recruiting. Uh, But what I think is important about this class is you can disguise the real worth of your class by filling up on guys that maybe aren't going to make grades, maybe aren't ever going to show up, maybe aren't going to be reliable players, but they have a good rating. They went to camps and showed that they can play, and here's a fourth star, you're so good. Oh, yeah, you don't read and write so well. So I think they've just got a group of guys that are going to be in this program for a long, long time contributing, and they went out and found the very consummate kind of K-State player, the one that might only have three stars but can play like a four or five. Just got to let time play it all out. And I really like some of the guys in this class. And and really what I like about this class the most is the strength in numbers. I think 20-plus guys will end up contributing to this program, which is a rarity for a recruiting class. For me, it's it's pretty simple. I think you need to ask. If somebody questions why they should trust this recruiting class or this staff's recruiting class, say, do you trust this staff to evaluate talent, yes or no? I mean, if they say no, obviously you're going to be in a little bit different argument. But if they say yes, you say, okay, then don't you trust it on the fact that they had these commitments for two, three, four, whatever months ahead of time? For the majority, almost every kid in this class has been committed for multiple months, except for the ones they got late there, um, kids coming down to the last minute trying to decide on schools. But guys like Will Howard, Will Howard's been in the class forever. 
Why did they take that commitment so early? They saw something in Will Howard that they like that fits their system. So it comes down to trusting the coaches, I think. You know, do you trust Chris Kleiman and what he wants, yes or no? Well, then there's your answer because clearly he liked what he saw initially and he never changed his mind based on how his senior season played out. So that's all I would say um, if somebody was questioning the talent brought in by this class. That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast sponsored by The Fridge, Tanner's, The High Low. We hope you are having a great holiday with friends and family. And remember, for heaven's sakes, put some pants on. There's, There's friends and family in town. They don't want to see you this way. You've been listening to the Powercat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.